Hello, and welcome to Introducing Me. I'm your host, Sarah. I started this podcast to get to know other people and lifestyles while discovering more about myself. Each episode, I will give a new guest a chance to discuss their background, culture, interests, or whatever they want to talk about to help increase all of our own worldviews. Today, I would like to introduce you to Laura. She is originally from Mexico, and she's now in China. She went to China for a scholarship in 2009 and has been there ever since. And she is living with her girlfriend. And as you may know, gay marriage is illegal in China. So with that comes, of course, some challenges and interesting stories. So Laura, I'm super excited to have you here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Uh, first, thank you so much for the invite. I'm super happy to be here and sharing my story. Uh, if I want to start to say about me being in China and how uh, being as an openly gay person in China works, uh, I guess I would have to say it's not what many people see on the media. Like when I go back to Mexico, um, they picture China as an extremely conservative society, which in some cases they, they can be, they can be very conservative. Uh, but they're becoming more and more open, you know, especially with foreigners. I guess as a foreigner, you have the privilege of no, no comply with their culture because they said, oh, she's a foreigner. She just doesn't understand our beliefs. It's just okay. You know, like we kind of, we kind of are forgiven because we're just not locals. So being here has been challenging only in the sense of communication uh, culture is quite different and, and values are very different in some sense. But as a gay person, the biggest challenge is just probably getting married. That's that's the part. Like I have my partner. We have been living together for almost uh, two years now, together for almost four. Uh, we, we want to get married. We have been planning to get married, but we just don't know when. We did try for a few uh, to do it through our consulates, like Mexico consulate or the U.S. consulate, because she's she's from Oregon. And very surprisingly, the USA consulate does not allow to do any kind of marriage, not even the straight ones. So at least that was fair. <laughs> and for the Mexican consulate, they only allow between two people from, from Mexico. So uh, it was it was challenging. It was cha- It is challenging, uh, especially if we want to migrate. It's, it's not the same as if we were a straight couple because it's in our, in our plans to go back to either Canada or the States. Uh, but being here... It's just, man, like I, I, it's kind of hard to put it into words, right? Because it's such a different context, such a different country. Uh, it's just understanding things in daily life, I guess, that makes it different. Like maybe we cannot kiss, you know, as, as often as a, no, a normal couple, you know, quote unquote, like normal couple will do. Um, I cannot present her all the time as my partner at least not to locals, maybe foreigners is okay, but locals wouldn't be probably as appropriate. I am not as open at my job. Uh, I do the old technique that you come out to one person and they display the word. <laughs> but coming out constantly is definitely something that you, you do here. I mean, you do it anywhere in this, you, you do it in the States, you do it in Mexico, you do it in any other country, but in China it's all the time, all the time. You every time you meet somebody, you come out, and that's uh, that's exhausting. <laughs> that's that's very exhausting, you know, like to come out and to explain every single time. Like even the we have a person that cleans our house, which is it's a cultural accepted here. 
Uh, and I still don't know how she hasn't figured out that we're a couple because <laughs> we live in a three rooms apartment and we only have one bed. I mean, it's like, it's like, yeah. And we have photos with like family photos with the two of us and our cat. So, uh, it's just coming out constantly, um, not being able to get married, uh, not being able to get, for example, visa, right? Like spouse visa. Like you can do this in Canada if we were like immigrating to Canada, but in China, we, we cannot, like if we wanted to get married and I wanted to sponsor her visa, I cannot or vice versa. She, she can just not. So migration is also challenging. Like being here as a two foreigners and queer couple is super, super difficult in the sense of paperwork. In the sense of cultural, it's just coming out. And once you come out, they might be confused for a moment, then they will be like, oh, okay. Just, they're foreigners. All right. <laughs> they're just different. So that's pretty much for me uh, how I would like summarize the, the experience of being here. Were you already out as gay before you went to China? No, actually I came out in China. I, I always said that people that come to China, or I guess people that go to any other country but their own, uh, they do it for two reasons. They, they do it because they're running away from something or you're looking for something. Uh, in my case, I feel like I was running away. Uh, and I was running away from a culture that was not accepted of gay people. And I don't know why I thought China will be the, the right answer, right? But anyway, I came here. And I remember that I came here to 20, when I was 24. And four months later, uh, I guess distance gave me perspective. And I decided to come out to my family, like to my mother. And I sent an email, a long email, like, this is who I am. This is who you raised me to be. I'm still the same. Being gay is just part of me. Um, and I'm discovering myself, you know, and part of being in such a place as, as China is, is discovering myself. And it happened and I came out and it was amazing. The feeling was great. I, I got support from my family. I got support from my friends of from all of different countries. Like that's something that I'm super grateful about being here because even though I have traveled, I have also been able to uh, be close to people at my office, in my life, you know, as friends from everywhere. Like I know people from Sumatra, from Egypt. Like I have, I have met people from Israel, Palestine. I have met people from the far Everest and they're all okay with me being gay. I never encounter something difficult, which in contrast with Mexico. So for me, that was shocking to, to see that I was coming, at least in my experience, for, from not an open place, as you might think it could be compared to Asia. And actually Asia turned out to be more open for me than what it was back home. Even in the States, and when I was traveling there with my, uh, with my girlfriend, I didn't feel as comfortable as I feel here being a, as a, being a gay person. So what was the culture like growing up in Mexico? Uh, very conservative in the sense of religion. I mean, it's well known that Mexico is a Catholic country, right? Uh, it's changing. It has, it's changing right now, but I'm from the 80s, 90s. So it was, it was definitely more close-minded. So there was no gay representation or any kind of 
queer representation on TV, uh, news, uh, if you were a gay person, queer, trans, I mean, not even thinking about trans people, uh, it w- you were like outcast. You were like, you're just not normal. You know, you're like, this is not what God tend to, like, is saying that you should be. Um, so it was difficult coming, especially because I come from a very small town uh, that we knew all of us. So even if I had a crush, which not, now I know it was a crush, it's like, oh my God, that girl is going to tell my parents what I'm going to do. So it was, it was complicated. Actually, now, now, now that it has been so long, I have come to terms that that's the reason why I left because I never felt like I belong. Right. Like you, maybe coming back in one point will make me feel better now that I have seen things and I'm more mature. Hopefully I'm more mature, but, uh, I definitely didn't feel like I belong. So that part was difficult. If you agree with the things that most of people uh, believe in, like getting married, having kids, uh, being straight, <laughs> I guess it will be okay. Like I have plenty of friends that are super happy over there, but I, I just wasn't, I just wasn't happy. I, I just was looking for more and being open about my sexuality was definitely one of those things that I was looking for. So that, that's how it was. Yeah. <laughs> that's understandable. So then what was it like assimilating to Chinese culture? So the cultural shock is, can be quite big. Um, I, I, I had to mention when I came to China, I was broke. Even though I came with a scholarship, I guess like a lot of students, you go like with very limited budget. So I was like, wow, okay, <laughs> I need to find a job or something when I'm there. But the cultural shock that I got and I saw in other people, uh, it can be quite strong. It can be, it also depends on you, right? Like it depends on how open-minded you can be to other cultures. Like I think that's the biggest challenge. If you're a person that enjoys to travel, but you are very, very close to your home values, your home values, I mean your society, I think it could be hard. It could be hard from the moment you step into the toilet because it is true in, in public places, it's a hole, you know? <laughs> Some people cannot handle that. Uh, they need like the Western style. Um, the fact that they are not, uh, they don't knock the door. Not even my neighbors, you know, like to this day, I'm still like annoyed by the fact that I'm moving and my downstairs neighbor, she doesn't know me and she just walk in to ask about my apartment and what I was doing there. <laughs> so inappropriate questions, like how much money do you make? Uh, they just, it's just different culture. They don't see that it's inappropriate. They're just curious. They're a very curious culture. Uh, they want to know more about you and they come out as rude. Uh, but now that once you get to know them, it's like, oh, it's just, it's just standard questions. You know, it's like saying, how are you for them? You can say whatever, like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. Like how much money you make? Oh, $50. Okay. <laughs> so it's just, it's just curiosity, but it can be quite rude. So for me, it was shocking. Um, we are a high contact culture, high contact in Mexico, right? We touch each other a lot. Which, for example, Americans, not really. They don't do that a lot. Even for me, it was too much in China. <laughs> they will, like, touch you. If you're too white, they will come and touch your, like, your skin. Like, 
my my friends that are black they get like the hair touch sometimes they're like in the metro and they touch the hair so the experience can be interesting in the sense that you're discovering new things or it can be even tra- traumatic right like because you're like you're invading my space you're like this is me like don't touch my hair or don't touch my skin or don't take photos of me because maybe some chinese people had never seen foreigners in their life and they have never seen somebody different and they will take photos of you and people are like hey don't do that <laughs> so it depends of your personality and and how again how close you are to home mm-hmm. if you are too close you might struggle <laughs> yeah so what has the language barriers been like the language barrier so i I am very bad at Chinese. Like a lot of people think that because I've been 12 years in China, I'm like super fluent. I'm not. Like I can read, I can write, and I can speak a little, like for my job, but I cannot speak. So I can tell you right now, from the moment I stepped out of the plane, I didn't know any Chinese. So I got a scam. <laughs> I got like... I, I bought the wrong product. I remember buying something that I thought was like similar to Twinkies. I don't know if you remember those, but like like kind of bread. And it was definitely not. <laughs> it was disgusting. Uh, so I I did a lot of mistakes because I didn't learn the language. But once I start studying the language, speaking, talking to people, life is so much easier. Life is so much, so much better. And if you speak as good as my girlfriend does, uh, she's she's uh, like she will say she's like a world champion Chinese speaker. <laughs> she represented the USA as uh, an American speaking Chinese in a contest. And wow, life life is so much easier, and you can understand them better too. You know, something funny. It took me five years uh, to understand something. Um, so when you ask a question. Uh, if I ask you, for example, hey, did you close the door? If you say no to me, I will understand that you didn't close the door, right? So in China, somebody will tell you, yes. And then I understood that they were agreeing with your, you. <laughs> Not that they did close the door, but that they, you were right. I didn't close the door because they don't know how to say no in their language. It's not that they don't know. They don't know. It's, like, it's, it's just a language thing. Mm-hmm. So for four years, I was like, damn, that was a lot of mistakes right there. <laughs> because I thought they were saying yes or no, but now that they were saying that I was right. So that can be like a lot of misunderstanding. Yeah, definitely at the beginning, not knowing that that was what they were meaning. So how do you, or I guess like, what is your job like that you don't need fluent Chinese? So, so I work, oh, I work in an international company, actually from, I'm uh, from California. Uh, they do some more stuff about products and I mean, I'm the director of the international department. So I work with all the foreigners uh, in some Chinese stuff. And because it's the international department, it's a requirement to speak English. So that's why I don't really need to use a lot of Chinese because uh, we deal with a lot of other countries, you know, like actually all kinds of, of cultures, again, all kinds of language. And English is the common language in the world. Mm-hmm. So I really don't don't need it. It's, it's, it's what it is. My bosses speaks English. Like, I mean, the CEO is from the States. So, of course, he speaks English. Uh, 
my other direct boss, she she also speaks English. So. so sometimes they come to me and they want to talk to me in Chinese, and I'm like, "Yo, it's your fault. You're talking to me in English, and you're not letting me practice." <laughs> also, they enjoy speaking in English, so they see it as an opportunity to practice, uh, and they don't want to talk Chinese with me. <laughs> also, I think it's because they hear me and my accent is horrible in Chinese. It's like really, really bad. <laughs> so they get like, "No." Just speak English, Laura. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great that you can't even get the chance to practice because you sound better not speaking Chinese. <laughs> yeah, that's horrible. I know. I'm not offended anymore. I'm like, okay, yeah, they're right. <laughs> or even Spanish. Sometimes they want to practice Spanish with me. I'm like, okay. Do you speak Spanish a lot? No, actually, uh, I speak, I will say I speak 75% English because of my job. Uh, I will speak another percentage of Chinese and another part of Spanish. Like, not really a lot. No, I kind of miss it sometimes because I I mostly get the chance to speak with my mother when I, we talk on the phone. Uh, that's like all in Spanish. Um and Juliet, my girlfriend, she she speaks Spanish as well, uh, but it's her third language, so it's not as fluent. So when we want to have conversations about uh, taking the cats to the vet, like, oh, what are we going to do with the next month finance? Like, you know, because I like to make plans. It's just more fluent if we do it in English than if we go through, through it in Spanish. So we mostly speak English. So that's the number one language. And I, again, I never expect that when I moved to China. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it will be all Chinese. No, it's actually all English. Yeah. So how did you meet your girlfriend? Because she's from the States, you're from Mexico, you're both in China. <laughs> yeah. So we met in that, actually we met like, whoa, like four years ago, a little more than four years ago. Uh, I had a girlfriend at the time where we met and we met in a Halloween party and I organize because you don't have a lot of queer people in, in China, right? Like foreigners at least. So I organize a private group for only queer women. And one of the organizers of uh, this Halloween party knew Juliet and she decided like, oh, Juliet is new in town. I should introduce to Laura. So Laura can like introduce more people to her, right? Like the queer community. And she introduced me, and I remember thinking when I saw her, like, you look like you need a hug. Like, I said that to her when I met her. And I gave her a hug. Like, I, 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 I really, no other intention. I just thought that she was a person that needed a hug. And I gave her a hug, and we added on WeChat, like, like WhatsApp. And months later, like, months later, like, I've, I broke up, we broke up, like, the girlfriend at the time and I, and she, she contacted me again. She invited me for coffee. We had like a nice conversation and she confessed to me that she, she really needed a hug. She's like, oh, actually, I just, I did need a hug. I was new in town. I was so nervous and she just gave me a hug and I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's cute. And I have such a bad memory. I cannot remember people like very well and but her she was like in my mind like I, I remember what she was wearing I remember everything so after that coffee and talking get to know more like we started like dating you know like going dinners going to the parks she's a biologist so she's very into seeing birds 
going to rescue turtles. And I am definitely not a biologist. So I was like, I mean, I think she liked me when she asked me, do you know what color are turtles? And I say green. And she said, none of the turtles in the world are green. So I'm like, okay. So um, we went out, which is great. And we've been together since then. And so do you have any specific plans or timeline and goals that you hope you'll be able to get married? Uh, no, <laughs> to be honest, no. <laughs> no, we got engaged last year in October. Uh, uh, it was it was just me and her, like nothing really going on around. Our friends were stuck outside of China, at least the close ones. And a lot of people ask, like, oh, when are you getting married? I'm like, we just really don't know because, well, first, I really want her to go to Mexico and meet my family officially. So far, she's just a photo and sometimes video. <laughs> so I want her to be more real for them. Uh, also, she can know where I come from, you know, like she can taste the food. She's she's amazing. She's very open-minded with culture. She, she already loves the idea that she's going to go to Mexico and, you know, eat a lot of tacos. And um, so I want her to go. We also need to go to Canada. We need to go to the States. Uh, there's other family members of her that she wants me to meet before it happens, like before we can get married. But just we don't know when we can travel, right? Like uh, we just don't know when can this happen. And when it's happened, how we're going to get married, where we're going to get married, like what paperwork do we need to do? Uh, as, a, as a Mexican, it's not as easy anymore to neither migrate to the States or to, to Canada, even though there are a lot of agreements, uh, it's just not as easy to get a like, spouse visa uh, in any case. And vice versa. I thought it would be easier if you like for her to get something in Mexico, but actually it's not. It's just worldwide, it seems that it has become more and more difficult for those that we are like international citizens. So... Even paperwork is going to take a long time. Like we already doing um, like a file because we need to record our relationship and prove our relationship is real for at least two years. So we need to to prove to the government that we actually want to be together in one point. No, no matter the government, either American, Canadian, Mexican, like we need to prove to them that we're not like scamming or something. So it's it's just difficult to predict the timeline. Everybody wants us to go back, like Juliet's family, my family, but I'm like, guys, like, we just don't know. <laughs> we just really don't know. But when we happens, it will be great. So we're mm -hmm. together. That's what is important. Mm -hmm. uh, so I can wait. I, I don't have a rush. Yeah. So, to some people already tell her, like, that's my wife. <laughs> and they're oh, okay. Right. The paperwork will happen eventually when it can. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's just a paper. To me, it's just a paper. It is important to get married, for sure. Uh, there are a lot of things that I want her to have an opinion on, right? Like, I want her to have a voice. Like, it's like giving her a voice in my life, getting married. Uh, she, she right now has this voice with me. But if something happens to me, she doesn't have a voice for the rest of the world, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's just, it's just not my wife. Uh, so if we go back to Canada or USA and we get married, she will have that voice of deciding because she, she knows me best, right? She, mm -hmm. If something happens to me and I'm in the hospital or, you know, whatever, they can come to her and she, she can have the right to say, like, 
no, this is what Laura actually wants. Even for my family, like some of my family are like very religious. And if something happens and they want to decide something according to the tradition, and she knows that maybe I, I wouldn't be okay with that or I wouldn't agree with that, she will, she, will, she will be able to say no. But if we don't get married, then by law, though that people will have more, more of a right than she will, even though she's the person that has been with me all this time. Mm-hmm. So I want to give her that voice. Yeah, that's completely understandable. Now, you keep mentioning Canada. Like, yes. What's up with Canada? <laughs> well, because we're debating to see where we're going, either the States or Canada. Like, we're still, like, thinking about moving uh, to which country we're going to move. She has her, her sister there in Montreal. I've been in Canada as well. I like it. We have some friends from there and it seems like a cool place. <laughs> like I'm still thinking that they're like just full of hippies, but, <laughs> but it's like so, so relaxed. I like the cold weather. So mm-hmm. we're thinking about moving there maybe in the future, but in four, three years from now, I mean, who knows? Yeah. All of the states, like, you know, Oregon is great. Colorado seems to be okay. I want, I want to see these places before we decide. You know, that's why I'm like, okay, we need to, we need to, to, to travel first. I don't want to move to a place that I haven't been there. Like, what if I don't like it? <laughs> like, I'm not 24 anymore. <laughs> like, you know, when you're 24 and they say, let's go here, and you're like, sure. Like, I've never been there. Let's go. <laughs> but there is one point where you just want more stability. And you will not know what, what's going on. So you can prepare yourself. Mm-hmm. So what sort of places have you been across the world? Well, uh, France, uh, Germany, Netherlands, Belgium, uh, Indonesia, Vietnam, Malaysia, Philippines, South Korea, Japan. But Japan just like very, very mild. Uh, what was the last place I was? Oh, my favorite. I was in Tibet. I was in, in Tibet in Lhasa, in the capital. And I went to the Mount Everest as well. Like, I'm not a sport person. I was just in, ba- in the base. <laughs> I was just in the base. Uh, Thailand as well. I played soccer in a tournament in Thailand. It was very fun. So I haven't traveled as much as I would like to, but uh, I still had the chance to to do it more than probably other people have very very fun so what took you to some of those places Uh, i'm a big fan of food (laughs) i like food so i i choose places where i think that food i would like it i'm like oh i want to try that uh like i want to go to other places as well because of food like i would like to go to south africa uh also, uh, spicy food in Asia. If I travel in Asia, I really try to find like spicy food because they eat spicy food in Asia. So I, I, I just want to go and try the food. Uh, others is because they have iconic things. Like if you go to, to Indonesia, you want to go and you, you want to go to Bali, right? Like it's so famous. If you go to Thailand, you want to go to the, to the wet market, like to the river markets. You want to see these things. Uh, ever, I mean, Tibet, uh, <laughs> to be honest, I saw the movie Seven Years in Tibet and that's when I was like, I want to go. <laughs> and I finally went. I finally went. For me, the Everest, the Mount was a dream come true. It was, it was one of the most beautiful places I've seen. 
um, I mean, Europe, I always was fascinated with like the history, like we, we study like these kind of things in, in school back in Mexico. So I just wanted to see things that I read in books. So that's why I went to a few of these places, you know, like uh, seeing the sunrise in, in, in the Mount Everest is just like, wow. <laughs> it's, it's, I can't even describe it. Mm-hmm. Or seeing the sunset in, in the quiet waters of the Pacific in, in Indonesia is just like, wow. It, it, sometimes I cannot even imagine, like, this is my life. Like, oh, wow, I can, I have the chance to see these things. It's just, it's just overwhelming sometimes. So what has it been like for the last year and a half, not being able to travel? Actually, not that bad. Uh, not, not, not traveling hasn't been that bad, but definitely not being able to go home and see your family. That's the hard part. Uh, when I came back to China, I was in Mexico when COVID uh, outbreak happened and then I announced it. I was taking a break uh, uh, from from everything, from work, from the culture, from everything. I just needed a break. And the best place to take a break is in your parents' house, to be <laughs> honest. So I was in my mom's house and I was, you know, I was meditating. I was eating. I was like waking up late. I was like just doing my own thing. And suddenly the news broke. And I, in, I, I was with a job at the time uh, because I... Ended leaving my the company that I helped to found, and I was like, okay, this is not working for me. I need this break. And I was like, oh my god, <laughs> all my plans are ruined because I was planning to study a master, take a break for maybe a year, a year and a half. And I said, oh, I have enough savings. It's okay. Like it will be fine. And then when everything happened, I was in Mexico, and I have this rush of anxiety because my whole life was in China for like ten years. And I, 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 my girlfriend was in the States, so she, we were also apart. So we was like, oh my God, I, we will see her. We will not see her each other. Like what's going to happen? So one day we, we talk over the phone and I say like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to go. I'm going to see what's happening. <laughs> I said, and, and you wait, you know, like you go like a few days after and I will tell you how it is the situation. Like if it's not okay, I will arrange all our stuff like I will you know leave the, the apartment take our important documents because we have like important documents as well take our cats and and I'll, I'll go back to the states like I will go back like to you but I actually came and it was not uh, even though it was very surreal and I did freaked out the first night uh, because it was all quiet like a kind of dystopian future I, I, and I thought for a moment that it was the biggest mistake of my life coming back. I come down, like I start talking to my friends that were here and they were like, no, don't worry. Like it's getting under control. I was like, finally called Juliet and I said, okay, you can come, you can go. Uh, and we stay here. We never imagined that two weeks later, the country will announce that nobody else was allowed. It was completely shock. It was heartbreaking. Because Juliet, for example, goes home every, used to go home every six months, you know, and uh, see family. I used to go back every year. Uh, and, and that's the difficult part. Like, no being able to know when. When I will, you know, go home and, and see my, my, my mother, my cousins, or when Juliet will go and see her parents. 
especially when you have like grandparents that they are like you know old and you don't know when you will see them or if you will be there for for important moments of what if they get sick and you're not there so that was the stressful part that that's the part that is the hardest yeah for sure and how is it um when you when you talk to your mom or other family members like how do you handle the time zone well i usually call them uh, in i am a morning person so i call them in the morning uh because we have like 13 hours apart yeah i think 13 hours so it's it's night for them it's morning for me uh and juliet calls them they are in in oregon so the time difference is not as big i think it's like eight or 10 hours. So she can be a little bit later in the day. Probably she will call them later today. Uh, so we, we, you know, she does it like once a week. I do it like every day because in my weekends, I rather just focus on me. Uh, so we do keep in touch, especially now we do it more, but you know, we keep each other like more informed of what's happening. Uh, so it's, uh, thank you for technology. <laughs> I mean, I, I was, I'm a kid from no internet. So I, I'm a kid when like I, internet sounded like, dee, 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 you know, on the phone. <laughs> so now I'm like, wow. <laughs> Even when I came to China, calling my mother was like a huge problem. Like I needed to get a card and that card was like $10 and it would last like five minutes, the phone call. It was like such a problem. And that was a cheap way. So now I can talk to her like for 40 minutes and it's on internet and I don't really spend much money, you know, just my monthly fee of my internet. So thank you for technology in that sense. Yes, definitely. Technology has opened up so many different things, especially in this past year. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like uh, we can, we can, I mean, we can meet people from other places, right? (laughs) And also we can like keep in touch with the people that we care about that, that, that I do say it. Like I, I'm, I'm a person that advocates for don't spend too much time on your smartphone, but when you are so far and you are like having family in other places, especially in different time zones, it's kind of difficult to, to just be like, Oh, I don't have my phone for two days. You know, it's like, no, <laughs> like you can just do that. <laughs> So what else would you like to talk about and share with your story? Well, I guess for me, one, the one core thing that for me is important and it has been important here is about equality. Uh, it's something that I've been trying to be advocate here uh, and not just equality for some, you know, like when, when we talk about equality, I want to talk about equality for everybody. Like no matter if we're different, no matter if maybe you you like green and like blue, like I want to be equal. Well, we're trying to be equal no matter who you are and no matter where you're from and no matter your gender, no matter your like or sexual orientation, no matter your religion, no matter any of that. Like, so one of the things that I've been trying to do with my with my work at the company that I work for and, and the things that I'm building up myself, right? Like, is that I'm really trying to be more open in acceptance. Uh, for example, I'm going to host uh, next week to celebrate Pride. We're going to host here in my city uh, the first Shenzhen stories from queer people. 
So we're going to be able to open up to a bunch of strangers <laughs> uh, that they can be from anywhere uh, and, and be honest about our lives and make it more normalize in the sense of like, I want to talk, for example, about how I went to the wrong restaurant one day and I just happened to be gay. So I feel like if we talk about our daily lives and how we struggle the same things as any other person will struggle, that is when we make it normal. You know, that's when we make it more equal. And I want to do this. I want to do this, not just for queer people. I want to do this for any other kind of people that feel that they might not be understood just because they don't look or behave the, the way that is supposed to behave. So that's what being in China and being traveling and being queer and being in Asia has taught me that equality is not just my equality. It's really being equal with everybody. Like there are things that I don't agree with, but it doesn't mean I shouldn't respect it, right? <laughs> like, oh, maybe I just don't understand them. Maybe I should make a bigger effort. So uh, that's something that definitely being here has taught me. Uh, Juliet, uh, she has taught me a lot about being more respectful as well, uh, more aware of privilege as well, you know, like uh, not, not just coming from, uh, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm from Mexico, but I was a privileged person in Mexico. So becoming more aware of that. Uh, also the fact that well, I can travel more than other people probably. So instead of, maybe showing it off, sharing probably what I have learned. So definitely that's something that has stuck with me and from the people that I've met in, in, through my life here. So especially women, a lot of empowering from women, to be honest, uh, in all aspects of my life, in as a queer person, as a business person, as, as, as a Latin American, as a brown person, as a everything, women have huge impact in me starting from my mother to to my best friends that are like advocates of education to to my future wife that also is like an amazing biologist you know like like she's like advocate for nature and it's like let's go and rescue turtles in the beach <laughs> so so definitely definitely i can summarize all of those experience into that one word equality and what do you think other people can do to help realize that equality is for all? Oh, that's a tricky question, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that is, that's a tricky one. Oh my God, I hope I could have the right answer for that one. I don't think I have it, but if I could like reach somebody and say like, you need to see that equality is for everybody. I will say teach empathy, like, like really let's have sympathy and empathy classes in, in our, in our, you know, in our, in our schools, because no matter if you're in USA, Europe, Singapore, which is like number one in education, we don't have classes that will tell you how you're supposed to feel, how you're supposed to behave towards another human being that might not be like you. Uh, so an empathy comes from that. Like if you can just for a moment, try to understand what the other person is feeling or thinking of if they're hurt, or if they're happy, I think that's when you understand that maybe, maybe I shouldn't behave this way, you know, or maybe it could be better, you know, like it's not okay to, to, 
say somebody, oh, follow the rules and don't, you don't follow them, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but <laughs> how is that equal, man? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying we're the same. I mean, I'm just saying we should have the same, uh, I mean, my freedom should not take away your rights, right? Like we should, we should have the same chances at least mm-hmm. to be, to be okay, <laughs> to have our necessities covered, like have a home where to be, to education, have like, be healthy, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like eh, empathy, be empathetic. Try for a moment to, 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 to think or to feel like, how will you feel if this is happening to you? Will you be okay with it? Will you behave this way? Will you react this way? And maybe you will learn that, you know, you can be better. Yeah, I think that's some great advice and can really help um, just kind of make people realize, like, because part of being empathetic is just realizing how you're acting as yourself. So therefore then relating that to other people, I think that's really great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like when you say something mean to somebody, it's like, mm, will I like, will I like it? Like, how did I make this person feel? We become very self-centered. I feel like we are in a modern society right now. And I see it in my younger cousins, for example, they're, they are becoming more and more self-centered. Like this instant gratification comes to like, I can do this. And I am, therefore, this should be like this, you know, <laughs> like just because of who I am or just because of how I look. Uh, and, you know, no, we are not. Uh, I don't think we're naturally uh, one individual society. We are we are a community. We, we do have the sense of connection. We look for connection and that connection should just just by the fact that we want to connect with others should give us the clue that we need to understand others mm. communication for example is important uh that's something that my my team uh that people from from all again from all over the world they come to me and they're like why will you you advise me or when i do interviews they ask me what is my biggest challenge and like in the job and i said communication guys communication you have to learn how to send your message. What are you trying to say? Is this person listening to you? Like, see how they react. Like, because sometimes we just talk, but we don't communicate. <laughs> it's like, I've seen so many people, like, they just say, oh, I believe this. I mean, did you realize how you say that? Like, like it's probably, probably you could improve. So today's when we are, stuck in a box of a hundred characters about um, we should learn how to communicate and give that message out. And probably we will understand that, oh, maybe this person actually had the right to be offended. Was my mistake because I didn't communicate correctly? Yeah, no, probably. <laughs> Most likely, actually. <laughs> if somebody got offended with your words, uh, I'm, pretty percent, I'm pretty sure 80% of the reason is because you didn't communicate correctly. The rest is because they didn't read. <laughs> I noticed that a lot of people also don't read a lot. Mm-hmm. So communication is also very important. Uh, it's a skill that we need to we need to learn. Yes, communication should part be part of that life skills one hundred and one class that we all needed. <laughs> for sure, for sure. 
uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no questions asked. It's like, do you want to learn communication? Go. <laughs> because, oh, man, so I, so many mistakes can be avoided. Even when you speak your own language, uh, you can have so many misunderstandings. Imagine when you speak with people from another culture, from another language, mm -hmm. that they're speaking in English to you as a second language. Mm -hmm. A lot of messages can be like this, like can be lost, mm -hmm. can be lost just in the fact that we're talking, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, we should learn to communicate, not just in our own language. Yes, definitely. So with all of my guests, before I close it out, I ask a random question. Mm -hmm. And so my question for you, um, only sort sort of random this time, is going to be, since you travel for food, what is your favorite food? Ooh, <laughs> that's, oh my God, uh, that's, I cannot, I, it's food. <laughs> food, my, my favorite food is food. I just can't decide, man. Like, if you go to South Korea, have a great ramen. Like, I just can't decide. Everywhere I've been, they have amazing plate, like amazing dishes. Like I cannot decide. Like I guess some Mexicans will say that I'm a traitor for not saying tacos, but oh, Mexican food, you know. But but honestly, like if you go to Spain and you have a great paella, you know, or if you go to Italy and you have like an actual real pizza, it's a game changer. So I cannot decide. So my favorite food is food. <laughs> All right, that brings this episode to a close. So as usual, I will be leaving all of the podcast information in the description. So the website will bring you to Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. So go feel free to like our pages and continue to follow the podcast because every episode is so different. So I'd, I'd love to have you hear even more of them beyond just this one episode. And if you would like to be a guest on the episode, my email is always open. So feel free to connect with me. I'm always loving to hear from new guests. And whenever I get to have guests from different time zones, it's always a lot of fun. So thank you, Laura, so much for spending time with me today. And to my listeners for taking the time out of your day to hear a new story. Until next week. Bye. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye.